0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Lots to talk about today as we have reached the middle of the Islanders' bye week. Long gap here between the Islanders' last game before the All-Star break and their first game after it. We will discuss whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for this team. We will also take a look at Matt Barzal and uh, his future Wanted to talk a little bit about some of the rumors the New York Post started last week. Of course, we have this date in Islanders history, and it's our weekly farm report, as it is almost every Wednesday here, and we'll analyze all things happening in and around the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Don't forget, if you have a question, a comment, something you'd like us to talk about on the show, please feel free to send us an email, the address is Islanders at gmail.com, and we'll be happy to talk about anything you want. Uh, just leave your name and where you're from, and we'll even mention you on the air. You could follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I, and we'll keep you up to date on all things New York Islanders. All right, let's start off with this All-Star break because it is a little bit long. Uh, The Islanders realistically spending, you know, a long week and a half without playing an actual hockey game. And we talked a little bit before the break about how this team was tired. They played a lot of games in a short period of time, before the All Star break, it was uh, six games in uh, nine days heading into the break, and even if you go from the you know Christmas break in late December up until the All Star break, uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of games in a short span of time. Uh, but here, you look at this, January 11th, Boston. Off day on the 12th, at the Rangers on the 13th, hosting the Red Wings on the 14th, off on the 15th, hosting the Rangers on the 16th, off on the 17th, then games on the 18th against Washington, at Carolina on the 19th, get a break on the 20th, and then at Madison Square Garden to face the Rangers on the 21st, and then, you know, you have... Ten days off before the next game, February first against the Vancouver Canucks at the Barclay Center. Look, this team was tired, and they certainly weren't playing their best. They weren't playing crisp, clean, good hockey. They were getting sloppy, turning pucks over, uh, and and just not playing their A game for most of the contests that we saw before the All Star break. So. Clearly, you know, you needed a few days off to regroup, but when you have an all-star break and then the bye week back to back, when you're going a week and a half or, you know, a little bit more than that even in between games, you know, that's like a first, almost like a first round playoff bye. Uh, And do you lose some of your sharpness? Do you lose some of that Mental intensity, emotional intensity that hockey players need to be successful on the ice. You know, it's one of those things, and you've heard this a lot. Once you turn it off, it's hard to turn it back on. And obviously, when you're off in between, you know, January 22nd and February 1st, that's, you know, you got to turn it off. You can't keep. That intensity level going. Yet at the same time, you know, once they come back, the Islanders aren't going to have any margin for error. We've talked a lot about the Metropolitan Division standings and where the Islanders are. They have to come back and be ready to play uh, in spite of the long break. Now, physically, obviously, you know, you've played 49 hockey games as a team. Physically, your players can all use the break here in late January uh, to to heal the bruises and the bumps and the soreness that goes along with playing an 82-game hockey season. So, you know, we are roughly five-eighths of the, of the way through this season, and certainly physically, the players can use the break. And you also have a situation where a player like Cal Clutterbuck, who has been out of the lineup now for quite some time, he will get the opportunity to heal. He will miss fewer games as a result of this bye week coming now, rather than had it come early in the season. So there is a benefit there, the physical recovery, injured players, missing fewer games, and, you know, hopefully when your guys all come back, uh, the whole key is being mentally ready. Now, the team is going to to practice before their upcoming game at the Barclays Center Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks. They are going to, you know, do some preparation work as per the CBA, what they're allowed to do, but uh, obviously getting that break, clearing your head, healing physically is important, and now it's up to Barry Trotz and the Islanders' coaching staff to make sure that this team is psychologically and mentally ready to get back on the ice and play hockey at a high level when they return to action. It's important. Uh, The Islanders are going to have more games in hand by the end of this week, basically because you know, all the other teams or most of the other teams in the league are playing hockey this week and the Islanders are not. And they already had one or two games in hand on all the other teams that they're chasing in the Metropolitan Division. So, going to be interesting. We'll keep an eye on it and we'll see whether or not this break, uh, whether the Islanders can come back mentally and physically sharp after an 11-game respite from hockey action. All right, we're going to take a step aside. We're going to talk a little bit about the Matthew Barzal situation. He is a restricted free agent at the end of this season. The New York Post wrote something about it last week. I want to talk about that. We still have this date in Islanders history and our weekly farm report. More to come right here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Okay, we are back here at the Locked On Islanders podcast. Wanted to briefly discuss the rumors that were going around regarding Matthew Barzal and the NHL's expansion team that is coming in Seattle. Uh, it, it, you know, it's it's one of those things. Look, Barzal is from British Columbia, about a hundred miles away from Seattle, and the the post published an article saying that he was very interested in returning to his. Uh, to Seattle, possibly, you know, to the region where he's from, closer to home. It's about 100 miles from Seattle to, uh, you know, his town where he grew up. And first of all, it really doesn't make sense to think that the Islanders would allow Matthew Barzal to just go to an expansion team in the expansion draft, or even as part of a trade. Barzal is in his early 20s. He's young, He's talented. He is their all-star representative, their le- leading scorer. And it just really wouldn't make sense at all for the Lou Lamarello and the Islanders organization to let Matthew Barzal go. Yes, at the end of this season, he is a restricted free agent. And yes, that means that the Islanders are going to have to sign him to a deal. But restricted free agent is an important distinction, because it means that Barzal is not in a situation where he can sign with any team he likes, where he can dictate terms. Uh, At this point, he has to really reach an agreement with the Islanders, or he really can't play anywhere else unless the Islanders trade him. Now, obviously, he can hold out, he can refuse to play, but there are no indications that this is something that Barzal is planning on doing, and look, when push comes to shove, the Islanders are building their team around players like Matthew Barzal, and they are not at all looking to trade him. I'm sure there is a part of Barzal that certainly would be happy to play his games closer to home, but it's one thing to say, hey, I'm looking forward to playing in Seattle as a road player, uh, or Vancouver, which is also not far from where he's from, rather than saying, I want to be traded to Vancouver, or I want to, uh, you know, be sent to the new Seattle team in the NHL when they actually take the ice. So, it's a situation where... I just don't think there's a lot to this rumor that was reported in the New York Post last week. Yes, Barzal played his junior hockey in Seattle. Yes, he likes the city. But the other thing you have to remember is this. His contract is up at the end of this season. The Seattle team won't take the ice for another year after that, so you know, the Islanders are going to re-sign him. Maybe, maybe it's a three-year, two, three, four-year bridge deal rather than a six, seven-year, you know, long-term kind of a contract. But, you know, it would have to be, if he wants to go to Seattle, a sign and play a year minimum and then trade. So lots can happen between now and, you know, October of 2021 when, Seattle actually takes the ice for the first time, but to me, the stories about Barzal heading to Seattle to join that team, they are greatly exaggerated at this point, and Islander fans don't lose any sleep over that report. Meanwhile, also wanted to give an update on Islanders' goaltending prospect Ilya Sorokin, who continues to excel in the KHL. He recorded his 55th career KHL shutout uh, last week, and he now has a 9.34 save percentage and a 1.54 goals against average this season. And Sorokin really is a, a big part of the Islanders' future plans. He has Uh, indicated he's interested in coming to North America for the upcoming NHL season. Uh, The Islanders have yet to sign him to a contract. Obviously, his KHL team is going to want to keep him. That's CSKA Moscow, where he's played since 2014-2015. But the Islanders really do want to bring him over he is considered right now by most scouts to be the best goalie playing outside of the NHL. Now, the complication for the Islanders going forward is this. The Islanders, in an, according to the collective bargaining agreement, you know they're going to offer him probably a one-year entry-level deal, and that means that for that one year, Sorokin can make more money in the KHL than he would coming over to the NHL, so, you know, if you're Sorokin, you could say, hey, I stay home, I already know I can dominate the KHL, I can be closer to friends and family, I speak the language here, Uh, I know I'm the best goalie in the league, or certainly one of the best players in the league, why come? But the flip side of that is, after the one year Sorokin can make more money in the NHL than he can in the KHL after that entry-level contract expires, and more importantly, coming to North America, coming to the Islanders, coming to the NHL represents the ultimate challenge for a hockey player. You are going to play against the best players in the league—no, no, no. check that—the best players in the world— and play hockey at the highest level. Yes, it will require him to make some adjustments, in addition to you know, English not being his first language, and being away from friends and family. The rink size is smaller, the angles are different in North America than they are in Europe and the European rinks, so certainly there is an adjustment period. Maybe he starts next season in the AHL for a few weeks or a month, before coming up, maybe he is NHL ready, uh, and and he works out the adjustment period with the parent club, with the Islanders. But either way, uh, the Islanders certainly looking forward to getting Sorokin here and having him on the big club in at some point in the 2020-2021 season. All right, we're going to step away. When we return, we'll have our farm report and this date in Islanders history. More to come here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Okay, let's take a look at this date in Islanders history. We take you back to January 29th, 2009, 11 years ago today. Islanders travel to Atlanta to take on the Atlanta Thrashers at the Phillips Arena 15,200 fans show up and the Islanders come storming out of the gate, taking control of this game early. Trent Hunter scores just 55 seconds into the game, assists to Mark Streit and Bruno Gervais and it's one to nothing Islanders. Then, at the 729 Mark Kyle Oposo, his eighth, Josh Bailey with the helper, and it's two nothing Islanders. The Islanders continued to pour it on. Tim Jackman, his third from Andy Hilbert and Brendan Witt as the fourth line clicks. That goal came at 1025 and it was 3-0 Islanders. And then Doug Waite ends up scoring at 13-17 for Waite, his eighth of the year from Mike Comrie and Mark Strite. And after 20 minutes, the Islanders had a four to nothing lead. The goalies in this game, Jan Denis in the Nets for the Islanders, Carrie Lettinen started for Atlanta, but the Thrashers replaced him after the first period and put Johan Hedberg into the net. The second period was scoreless. There was a fight between Tim Jackman of the Islanders and Chris Thorburn of Atlanta at the 934 mark, both of them getting five minutes. So the Islanders, after 40 minutes, still held that 4-0 lead, but it wouldn't last. In the third period, Atlanta, desperate, and they come out and get back into this hockey game. Zach Bogosian, Scores just 26 seconds into the third period from Matthew Schneider and Rich Peverly, and it was a 4-1 hockey game. Then Bill Guerin called for hooking. The Islanders are shorthanded, and Peverly scores his fifth on the power play from Kozlov, Slava Kozlov, with the helper at 6:20, and suddenly it was a 4-2 game and you could feel the Thrashers storming back. Atlanta pulled to within a goal at the 8.36 mark, so plenty of time still left. Marty Reasoner, his eighth, from Colby Armstrong and Eric Perrin, and it's a 4-3 hockey game. But the Islanders did not quit. Kyle Oposo, his second of the game, ninth of the season from Bailey and Blake Como at 12.39, made it 5-3, Islanders, Atlanta scored with 58 seconds left in regulation, Ilya Kovalchuk, their leading scorer, his 21st from Toby Enstrom and Rich Peverly, and that was all she wrote, Islanders hold on for a 5-4 victory, Jan Denis, 33 saves to earn the victory, two goals for Kyle Oposo, Multiple point games, Josh Bailey and Mark Streit, each with two assists in this one. Bruno Gervais led the Islanders as a plus three. Kyle Loposo had five shots on goal. Blake Como with four to pace the Islanders' attack. Islanders defeating the Atlanta Thrashers on this date in Islanders' history, January 29, 2009. All right, time for the farm report now, and we discuss the weekend that was for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, the Islanders' AHL affiliate. They had two games this past weekend. Friday night, they were in Hartford to take on the Wolfpack. That is, of course, the Rangers' farm team, and the Wolfpack skated away with a 4-1 win. Travis St. Denis getting the only goal for Bridgeport in this one, Matt Bolesky, scored two of the four goals for Hartford. The good news for the Sound Tigers, though, starting goalie Christopher Gibson got into this game. He started and made his first appearance since November 27th. He made 24 saves in a losing effort, but obviously the Sound Tigers will get having their top goalie back in the lineup and available should help the team going forward to win some more hockey games. Saturday, last Saturday, they traveled to Springfield to take on the Springfield Thunderbirds, and the Sound Tigers lost 6-2. Cole Boudreau, excuse me, scored his first goal in the AHL. Grant Hutton got the other goal, The Sound Tigers took 43 shots on goal, but were only able to score twice. Jared Corot in net for Bridgeport, he made 32 saves. And in this game, you know, here's the impressive thing. You talk about 43 shots on goal, but the Sound Tigers did not have a power play in this game. Now, Monday of this week, was the AHL All-Star Showcase, Sebastian Aho representing the Sound Tigers, his third AHL All-Star Game appearance in his third season in the league, and he helped the Atlantic Division win the All-Star Tournament in part by scoring one goal and one assist. He also, of course, took part in the Skills Competition Ajo said, it's just a lot of fun to put on a show for the fans and see everyone's skill out there. It definitely gets competitive, though, and we really wanted to win it. I hope the fans in Bridgeport stayed up to watch. So that was the week that was for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. This week coming up, two games for the Sound Tigers they will host the Hershey Bears Friday at 7 o'clock. And that one, uh, a home game. Meanwhile, the next day, Saturday, February 1st, they will go to the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins and play a 7.05 face-off there in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, Pennsylvania as the Sound Tigers have these two weekend games. They will play uh, one other game uh in the middle of the week, which is kind of unusual in the AHL, that's, uh, you know, atypical, but next Wednesday, February 5th, a 10.30 a.m. game at home in Bridgeport against the Syracuse Crunch, so if you want to get tickets for that, figured I'd throw it in and uh, allow people to get a heads up about that early start on Wednesday of next week against the Syracuse Crunch. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please give us a five-star rating on your podcatcher of choice and write a little review as well, make some comments. That helps grow the show and helps new Islanders and hockey fans find the podcast. Always good to get more people to join the Locked On Islanders family. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast podcast